Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sports Time HQ. I am your host, Fernando, and joining me today is the great Marcus Grant. Marcus, how are you doing today? I'm good, Fernando. It's uh, it's nice to be here. Always appreciate getting invited places. Yeah, I mean, Marcus and I were talking behind before the show. We we got to meet each other for the first time at the Expos. And MG, let's let's hear your takes on the Expos. Uh, it's a great time, honestly. This was the first year I'd ever been um really had uh you know i've been for the king's classic a couple of times and it was really cool uh on the one hand to kind of reconnect with some of those guys that i hadn't seen in you know in some cases maybe in three years um so that was a lot of fun but just to get to the expo to really meet a lot of people i keep saying it, it was fun to put faces to twitter handles right like folks that i only knew from the internet from twitter what have you and to kind of get together and meet a lot of those people in, in person and kind of connect with some of those folks uh it was a great time and honestly uh a huge shout out to bob long for for having built this thing in a relatively short amount of time i mean really has just done a great job creating uh, an actual event uh, I, I kept referring to it as fantasy football coachella because that was sort of the, <laughs> the best way i could describe it but uh bob has done an amazing job i know he i know he was working his butt off uh i feel like the only time i saw him sit down that weekend was uh when he was drafting his team during the king's classic he got to sit down for whatever it was an hour hour and a half yeah. <laughs> however long it took to draft other than that that guy was on the move so i hope I hope truly that he got to just lay down and sleep for like a week when it was over. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I don't remember him ever sitting down. But then I re once you said that, he did finally actually sit down for that one time. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. To just, just to draft the team. And then he got back up and was on the move uh, all over again. Exactly. But, you know, it was a great draft. And who knows, maybe you can get into that draft next year. You know, got some yeah. Fa Fabiano's in there. The, well, so I'm 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 part of the Kings. I know it's like a three division thing. So you've got the the Blanda. I can't remember all the names, right? Like I I'm in one of them though. So like I was over on one side. I know there was like the the, the big table. Uh, there was the, the international table. And I think yeah. I don't know. If, I know some of those people were were actually in Canton. I think some of them were remote because, like I said, it's, it's an international group. So I know Mauricio Gutierrez, uh, who does a great job with with NFL Mexico. Uh, he was there in person, but I know there's a lot of folks that are overseas that were drafting as well. So um, it's so much fun. It was it was really really a good weekend. So I would say to anybody out there, uh, if if you were thinking about going, I would highly recommend it next year. Yeah. And I mean, I had a booth this past one and I mean, I, again, also highly recommend it. It's just a great time. I mean, you get to meet a bunch of new people that you've never met in person. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, it's, you, you know, this is sort of a, a community. Um, you, you feel it though more when you, when you're actually yeah. in person with those folks. Exactly. 100%. But let's finally get into the show and let's talk about some news and notes around the league. And we heard today that, or yesterday, Baker Mayfield was officially named the starting quarterback for the Panthers. Are you targeting him at all in fantasy drafts? No. Um, I, I will say this. It wasn't a surprise. I think yeah. from the moment the Panthers made the trade with Cleveland to bring Baker Mayfield in, I think we all sort of assumed he was going to be the starter. Um, you know, and it was it was an interesting camp battle. You know, Sam Donald certainly put up a fight and, and didn't make it easy on Matt Rule and the coaching staff. But but in the end, I think they made the right choice going with Mayfield. Uh, so it, it doesn't surprise me. I'm not targeting him. I guess, if anything, it does make me feel slightly better about DJ Moore. Um, you know, I, I feel the same about Christian McCaffrey regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe now I'm more willing to take a late shot on Robbie Anderson, but even that is sort of questionable. So, uh, you know, I, if anything, I guess it's sort of, 
reinforces my confidence on some of the other pieces. But no, I think outside of like a super flex or a two QB league, I don't I don't know that I'm taking a swing at Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he's being drafted right now as a QB 25. I mean, again, I'm willing to keep him on the um, willing to keep him in the draft, not draft him at all. I mean, but like you said, Superflex may well take a shot, but honestly, I'd rather have someone else that's actually later in the rounds, like a Davis Mills. Yeah, you know, Davis Mills is interesting because I I kept saying that last year I thought that he was the best rookie quarterback yes. just by play. I mean, yes. st- statistically, it was Mac Jones, but I think when you factor in everything going on around Davis Mills, there, I thought I thought he was kind of the the candidate to be the best rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Curious to see what he does this year. Um, I mean, it's a Texans team that is very much in rebuild mode, but having Brandon Cooks, uh, Nico Collins, I think is going to uh, you know take a big step forward this year. I'm kind of curious to keep an eye on Davis Mills uh, just to see if 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 I see some progression from him, then I think I start to buy in. If I think he's sort of the same guy he was last year. Uh, then, you know, maybe this is a maybe it's another Daniel Jones situation in the making. Yeah. And I mean, we, we saw it last year. I mean, last year he started he had a little slow start, averaged about 10.14 points a game in his first eight weeks. Then he had the buy in the back end of the, the year. I mean, last five games, he finished, he averaged about 17.56 um, points. And if you put that all together, that was possibly like around a low end QB one. Right. And then if you average that out throughout the whole season, he finishes as a top 12 quarterback. Which is kind of a surprise, right? I mean, I don't think anybody expected that. Um, I mean, there were, I think there were zero expectations for Davis Mills just because there were zero expectations for the Texans. And exactly. But I'll say this. I still don't see anybody really drafting Davis Mills. I think I people are sort of taking a wait and see attitude on him. But, you know, like I said, I was, I was encouraged by what I saw from him last year. Yeah, I'm very high on him and I'll continue to draft him. Uh, but let's get into the Seahawks battle. Who are you locking in as a starter for week number one? Was that was that a pun with Drew Locke? Uh, it was a little involved. bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, truly don't know. Um, I I don't know who wins this battle here, right? I mean, you know, Drew Locke obviously <laughs> missing last week after he tested positive for COVID. Um, Geno Smith was predictably kind of just meh. There was nothing special about him. Um, you know, and, and so far, you know, Pete Carroll has definitely not tipped his hand on where he wants to go, basically saying this battle is going to come down right to the end. So I don't, mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. And, and I'll be honest with you. I don't know that it matters a whole lot to me. Um, I, I'm not, first off, I'm not drafting either one of those guys, first of all. And I think in terms of their pass catchers, I think the results pretty much the same. I mean, most of those targets are going to be to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They're still going to try to run the ball a whole lot. So, you know, Rashad Penny's that guy, as long as he's healthy with Kenneth Walker right behind him. I feel like with Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith, they're fairly interchangeable. So, um, I mean, I guess if you just are entertained by it, you want the sport of it all, you can sort of watch that and see how it turns out. But I think for fantasy purposes, I don't, I don't know that it matters one way or another a whole lot. I honestly think it's going to be like a, um, who was it? Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston type of season where it's just going to be one week after the other, who is going to be named the starter for each of those weeks. I mean, could be, um, which honestly seems like the worst case scenario, right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, at least I feel like whoever it is, I would rather have it be that guy as long as it can be yeah. that guy. At least that way you get a rhythm, you get a feel for how that guy's playing and what have you. 
Um, and I'm not saying you're wrong. It really could end up that way, but that, that just seems like a, a worst case scenario. Yeah. And I hope that doesn't happen because, you know, like you said, I mean, the chemistry, the chemistry is there with certain players for certain, the quarterback, like Geno Smith could have chemistry with Lockett, but uh, Smith uh, lock could have uh, chemistry with DK. I mean, it's just totally different. And then it hurts your fantasy value on those two guys on who you want. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, say I, it's, it's funny at, the beginning of draft season, uh, I was drafting Tyler Lock, and I, and here's the thing: I didn't. I'm not gonna say I love Tyler Lockett. I don't love the quarterback situation. I just felt like Lockett was falling too far in drafts, yeah. so I was drafting him. Lately, I've sort of stayed away from it because we get to those mm-hmm. later rounds, and I'm finding other receivers that I like a little bit more. Um, but I just, you know, I wouldn't totally discount Lockett. I think he's still a really good football player, and and like I said, I think. I just think he and, and Metcalf are going to occupy most of the targets there. So at least, if nothing else, on volume alone, I think Lockett still has some value. Any value on Fant? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, yeah, I. You know, had he somehow stayed in Denver and gotten to play oh, with, easily with Russell Wilson, I you know it's it's huge on Noah Fant. But uh, I don't I don't know that there's enough uh, there's enough to be excited about to support three pass catchers in that offense. Yeah, no. It, now with the QB style, QB play, maybe next year if they draft a star quarterback, but right now not at all. Um, next up for news and notes is uh, Baltimore rookie tight end Isaiah Likely made the most of his opportunity back in last week's preseason game. Had eight receptions, a hundred yards, and one touchdown. We obviously know Mark Andrews is there, so obviously he's not going to take that tight end one spot away from him. But we did lose Marquise Brown in the off season. So is it likely that they're going to run two tight end offenses? Offense? Uh, it's certainly no possible. It is, it is certainly likely, right, that they, they, they could do that there. I think this is, for me, a, a situation of opportunity versus talent. And, and actually had this conversation. I was on a Twitter space uh, yesterday, and, and this conversation came up about Isaiah Likely. And I feel like the, the group was sort of split. Yeah. Um, there are definitely people who liked him. I, I think I think for I think the argument in favor of Isaiah likely tends more towards dynasty leagues. I think yes. if you're talking redraft leagues, it's hard to really make a case for him just because uh, the second tight end on any team is really hard mm-hmm. to to have, you know, have that person be productive on a regular basis. I think it's even harder when he's on the team with the guy who was arguably the number one tight end in fantasy. And, yep. you know, look, we can, we can sort of quibble as to whether it's Kelsey or, you know, whatever, Kyle Pitts, whomever, but Mark Andrews is a top three tight end. Um, it's hard to see a path for Isaiah likely to get a lot of those opportunities. I know they want Rashad Bateman to do more this year with Marquise Brown, no longer in Baltimore and just the history of the Ravens offense under John Harbaugh uh, and with, with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, suggests there's not enough passing volume there again sort of like i said with with seattle there's just not enough passing volume there to sustain three pass catchers so andrews is certainly going to to take the bulk of those targets i think you're going to see rashad bateman get a good chunk of them uh and then the rest you know everybody else on that roster is sort of playing for whatever is left over so i think likely's talent is undeniable i just don't like the situation now you know a few years down the line if he's still there and the Ravens decide to move on from Mark Andrews, and even that is sort of questionable considering how yeah. Andrews has played the last couple of years. But they uh, moved Brown, too. 
yeah, so I, I don't know. I just I, I love I love Likely's talent. I don't like his situation. And for that reason, I'm just, you know, at least in redraft leagues, I'm sort of off of him. I think in Dynasty, mm-hmm. you can make a case that that maybe now's the time to you know, now's the time you can try to trade for him. Although I think after last week that the price probably went up. Yeah, 100 percent. And we've seen in the past in years, excluding Kyle, uh, Kyle Pitts. But I mean, tight ends usually take a few years to actually develop and become fantasy relevant. And that's what exactly what we could be seeing with Isaiah likely. He won't, he won't be that much of a factor here this season dynasty, of course, but maybe in a few years down the road, it's likely he could become a good tight end. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen, you know, we've seen the Ravens. They are really good at developing tight ends. The problem is they also seem to hoard tight ends. So yeah. uh, it gets hard to sort of pick one. You know, I mean, there's a reason we kept waiting for Hayden Hurst to really pop, but mm-hmm. he was he was in a crowded tight end room and it just never really happened. So, you know, I, I fear that that's what's going to happen, at least in the short term to Isaiah Likely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the last about news and notes is uh, Kenny Pickett. He's kind of actually been looking good in the preseason do you expect him to win the starting job? Because at first I thought Mitchell Trubisky would be the starter, but of course we've seen highlights in the preseason. Right. I think Trubisky maybe wins this out of training camp. Mm. I, I, I think, I think Trubisky is probably your week one starter, but I don't expect him to keep that job all year long. No. And, and I think what we've seen from Pickett really sort of reinforces that. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see sort of how this plays out because I think, what I think is that right now, both those guys are an upgrade over what Ben Roethlisberger was at the end of his career the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I'm not sold that either one is great or is the quarterback of the future in Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, I think they add they bring another dimension. One, you know, Ben was dealing with diminished arm strength the last couple of years. But those other guys, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett, also add a mobility factor that Mm -hmm. that Ben didn't have the last few years of his career either. And I think where that has an impact is on a guy like Najee Harris. Last year, Najee caught, I think, 74 passes. He got 74 passes for less than 450 yards. Like, that's not great. But so many of them were sort of panic throws from Big Ben as the pocket started to break down. And knowing he wasn't going to be able to escape, it was easy just to dump it off to Najee Harris. Exactly. My fear for Najee is that he doesn't have the same level of production when you have a quarterback like Trubisky or like Pickett, that when things start to get bad in the pocket, those guys can get out and run themselves. So maybe he doesn't get a lot of those cheap dump offs. Uh, so that that I think is sort of where the difference is. But like I said, I, I think I think Trubisky probably does enough to be the week one starter, but I think he's going to spend a lot of the season looking over his shoulder uh, at what's going to happen. You know, if, if he makes a mistake, uh, I think, you know, Pickett will be on the sideline, warming up his arm, getting ready to come in. Yeah. And you, you took the words out of my mouth right there. I mean, I think he's going to be on a very short leash and I think if something starts to go wrong for him, it's Pickett time. Absolutely. No, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. So now it's time for the sleepers, our 2022 sleepers. And we're going to start with the quarterbacks and I'm going to start with you. So had you asked me this question a couple of months ago, I would have said Trey Lance, like probably everybody in the world. But I think I think we're past the point of Trey Lance being legitimately a sleeper anymore. Right. I mean, he's being drafted Mm -hmm. as a top 10 quarterback. So I think I think he's out of the realm of sleeper. So in that respect, I'm going to pivot to Tua Tungavailoa. I have been. I have been a Tua backer from the beginning, and I know that you know 
folks in Miami have sort of been antsy about what his future could be. And I know there's a lot of talk that this is very much uh, a no excuses year for Tua. They go out and they trade for Tyreek Hill. They've already got Jalen Waddle there. Mike McDaniel comes in to sort of try and juice up this offense. They bring in a ton of running back help. So the pieces are around Tua. I believe in him. I, I you know, I, I think you're talking about a guy who, first off, was coming into the NFL off of a major hip injury. And this is, I keep saying to people, this is the same injury that a couple of decades ago ended Bo Jackson's career. I guess almost three decades ago. Yikes. Uh, ended Bo Jackson's career. And I, I, I mean, I'm somebody who I'm old enough to have grown up watching Bo Jackson play and seeing how phenomenal of an athlete he was uh, and understanding that, that for an injury to really derail his football career, uh, it, it really means a lot. So for Tua to not only come back, but to come back and start to work his way back in, I think that's phenomenal. And so I think this is a year you'll see him really attack downfield because he's got all kinds of speed to work with. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be a big time runner, but I think he can run enough uh, that that he's going to put up respectable numbers. And when I say sleeper, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that two is going to make this jump. And we're going to be talking about him as a top 10 quarterback at the end of the year. I don't think so. I think he's a QB too that has some good streaming potential, that has some maybe fringe quarterback one upside. Uh, I just don't, I think though that for anybody who has just sort of written him off and is fading him, I think you're going to be surprised. I, I really think that with McDaniel there and with the weapons he has around him, Tua is in store for a really good season this year. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not all that into Tua, but QB 15 right now, you got Tyreek Hill. And like you said, all the pieces are there. So honestly, this is, I think, honestly, this is his last year to really show that he is worth yeah. a starting quarterback. And I think if he struggles again, I think they're going to be shopping for a new quarterback next year. Or who knows, maybe they're in the works of getting Jimmy G in the middle of the season. That's going to be interesting, too, uh, is what happens. Because you know Garoppolo comes in. He's obviously familiar with the head coach. Uh, they had that connection together in San Francisco. Um, you know, that that was going to be very interesting because you know now it seems like now the the idea of Garoppolo going to Cleveland is sort of out of the works. Yeah. Um. So maybe maybe if things go sideways with with Tua, maybe that's the deal that happens for San Francisco. Yeah, because I mean, I was thinking Jimmy G would go into Seattle, but at this point, I really don't see them really trying to win games here. They maybe even want to try and lose games to get that top quarterback. Yeah, and I just I don't I can't imagine the Niners wanting to trade him to Seattle. Um, yeah, exactly. In division, they're a better team than the Seahawks. But I, the last thing you want is to have to deal with him twice a year, and then heaven forbid he beats you one of these times, and your fan base is just gonna never let you forget about it. Exactly, and then that's when you regret trading them to an in division yes. team. Absolutely. So I don't I don't mind the Tua pick. I'm not a big fan of Tua. I kind of stayed away from him in rounds this year. But again, this is a sleeper show, so he could easily be a sleeper. Um, I'll go with my pick. And I was actually torn between two people. I love Mills, uh, as we talked about already. I love Mills. Mills is a great guy. So I won't already dig into him even more because I already kind of talked to, about everything about him. Um, I was actually debating about between Russell Wilson or Matthew Stafford. And I'll, I'll go with... Russell Wilson first. And the reason why I'm going with Russell Wilson is because he's, he's being drafted right now as a QB 11, obviously a QB one. I think though people are sleeping on him and he's falling in later rounds. And the reason why is because I mean, I don't, I don't understand the reason why. And <laughs> I really don't because you're in a new team and you have so many great values with Cortland Sutton there, Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler. Now 
But then you also have Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. I mean, this team is built for success with Russell Wilson. And I mean, Wilson, if you've seen his stats in recent years, I mean, he's finished top 10 in every season except for his rookie season. And then his last, last season when he faced, when he had a finger injury and he required surgery and everything. So he had to miss games. So honestly, being outside the top 10 for Russell Wilson, I think is absolutely insane. I think people should be drafting him a lot higher. And I think he finishes top seven, top six. So I will, I will give you the argument against Russell Wilson. I did at least okay. the, the way I see it. And look, I love Russ is weird. I, I, I also love Cortland Sutton. Uh, you know, I, I, for a while was on Albert. O. we'll probably get to that a little bit later. <laughs> um, but the argument against Russell Wilson, as I see it, is that he doesn't run the way he used to. And I think for a lot of people, when you're talking about drafting a quarterback that you expect to finish top six, top seven, you want that rushing upside, right? I mean, that is why, you know, that's why Josh Allen is at number one. That's why we're still seeing Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts go high. That's why Trey Lance is so popular because they will give you those rushing yards. And if you're not going to run, then you have to put up insane Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady type efficient passing numbers, right? You've got to do the Aaron Rodgers thing where you throw for 40 touchdowns and like five interceptions. You've got to do the Tom Brady thing where you're throwing for 5,000 yards. And I'm as much as I like Russ, I don't know that he's got a 5,000 yard season in him. I don't know that he's got a, you know, a 45 touchdown season in him. So I think, you know, he has that QB one potential. I think he easily finishes as a QB one this year. Um, but I think I think the argument against him being a top six guy is just is just a rushing upside. But I think where he's coming off the board, um, you know, the, the draft capital you're investing to get him uh, is not crazy. Right. You can still, yeah. you know, I don't know how much people actually wait on quarterbacks anymore. I feel like that has I sort know. Of, that's sort of gone by the boards. Look, even when when J.J. Zacharyson, you know, who's at late round quarterback on Twitter, when J.J. Zacharyson is saying, hey, man, you don't have to wait on quarterbacks anymore. I think I think that era has sort of passed. But if you tend to wait later, I guess, than normal, um, you know, then then Russell Wilson in like seventh, eighth, maybe ninth round. Um, that feels pretty good. Very good. I mean, in one QB leagues, I know I just drafted two days ago in a one QB league and we saw Josh Allen go in the first round. <laughs> insane. Absolutely insane. Um, and I'm willing to wait on those quarterbacks, a.k.a. Russell Wilson, who's being drafted, like you said, around the eighth, ninth round. Um, and, you know, I'm not willing to spend a high capital on a QB if I only need one quarterback to start. Right. No, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, like the last last few years, I would wait until the fifth, sixth round. You know, yeah. I was drafting guys like Dak Prescott. I was getting Russell Wilson uh, in that round. I mean, I did a draft a couple of days ago where I took Joe Burrow, I think, in the sixth round, something like that. So, uh, you know, I'm not – here's the thing. This is my rant that I always do when we talk about quarterbacks is that I want us to change quarterback scoring so that we live in a world where we all think Josh Allen is great. Uh, we're in the past. We all thought Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is still great. I shouldn't say was. Mm -hmm. We all think Patrick Mahomes is great. It shouldn't be a strategic disadvantage to draft those guys. But that's sort of where we are now. So as long as we live in that world, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hang out to like the fifth or sixth round. I'm going to take the Joe Burrows of the world and I'm going to be happy for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to spend high capital on it because running backs are more important in one quarterback leagues. Absolutely. I mean, look, even if even if everybody in your league drafts two quarterbacks, there's still talent there in the later round. So there's there 
just is it the imperative to go out and spend a second round pick on a Josh Allen? Yeah, and it's not worth it at all. I love Josh Allen, and I barely can get him unless I'm drafting 1.1 in Superflex League. <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the only time he's really worth it. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. So, so I guess you're you're in on Russell Wilson being a sleeper, but not that high is where I said. I just, yeah, I just, I don't see, I just don't see the ceiling quite as high as you do, but mm-hmm. I feel like he's gonna be fine. And like, look, if you want, if you want a fairly low cost stack. I think a Cortland Sutton, uh, yeah. Russell Wilson stacks just not going to cost you a whole lot in the draft. Nope. So you're more Sutton over Judy. I am. Um, Me and, too. and you know, my, my pal Michael F. Florio and I sort of we disagree about that. He's he's Team Judy. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm Team Sutton. Um, I just I look I I I think you're talking about a guy who's a deep threat now paired with one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. It just it feels like everything we want it to be. And I'm sure you guys have a bet going between who's actually gonna. Come no, out. we we don't yet. And maybe uh, when I'm done here, maybe I'll text him and we'll <laughs> we'll set something up. Yeah, I'm going with Team Sutton as well. But anyways, Russell Wilson and Tua are our two top picks for being a sleeper quarterback for this season, and for running backs, 2022 running backs. Um, I'm gonna actually go with a guy. I mean, a lot of people have started to get onto this train. I think. NFL fantasy has also gone onto this train. Maybe you were part of that, but uh, Damian Pierce is one of my biggest guys. I mean, once he was drafted into Houston, I said he was a breakout candidate. I said that he was bound to get the starting role and I drafted him in every dynasty league I could possibly get. And now in redraft leagues, I'm trying to get him everywhere as well. He's being drafted right now as the RB 43. That's pick around like 122, which is like kind of the 12th round ish. And I mean, We've seen the value increase, but we know Marlon Mack is there. And a lot of people thought Marlon Mack could have been that starter. But again, he's coming off the Achilles injury from back in 2020. And he's only appeared in seven games in the last two seasons. He's had injury problems just about every season he's been in this league, whether it's minor or huge like Achilles. But this is Pierce's backfield. And getting him as an RB4 where he is at right now to be an RB2 potentially in the towards the end of the season i mean i think he finishes top 25 in my opinion as a solid rb2 and i think a lot of people are starting to realize that yeah no i'm 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 big on damian pierce um and i feel like people are you're right i think people are starting to kind of come around to that and for me it it started mostly because i thought volume was going to be there Mm -hmm. because um there's very little in this texans offense that i think is solidified i mean we know mills is the quarterback we know brandon cooks is the wide receiver one looks like nico collins is probably locked up that wide receiver yeah. two job but the backfield's wide open and i just don't see it doesn't make sense for me uh for the texans to keep hammering rex burkhead uh, <laughs> at this point right like look i get it rex has had a decent career and he's a nice utility option can you know he can catch the football he can run between the tackles, he can do a lot of what you need but there's nothing special about Rex Burkhead. Meanwhile, you've got this rookie, Damian Pierce. Why not give him an opportunity? So I, I thought originally it was going to be based on volume. Then it turns out that he's been the best back in camp for the Texans. Um, I will say that if there's anything working against him, it's that you know on the whole, Texan, Texans are going to be bad. They're going to be playing from behind probably a lot, especially in the second half. So maybe game script sort of limits his opportunities. But I just think that he is going to be – the running back of record there and that alone uh, is going to help him. So yeah, I have been very much on the Damian Pierce train. 
Uh, I can't really take, I know that I know the NFL fantasy handle tweeted about it. I can't take complete credit for it, but I do want to think that, you know, the folks who run our social media actually listen to what I say occasionally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's been a solid running back. Like you said, in camp, I think last preseason game, he had, I think what, six rushes for 49 yards mm-hmm. around that. And I mean, you saw Marlon Mack. I don't even think he had over 10 yards over his couple of rushing attempts. So yeah. I, I feel bad because Marlon Mack was having a, he was having a good career, I think, in, in yeah. Indianapolis till the, yes. the Achilles injury, and it's just it's just fallen off since then. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because Achilles injuries are very hard for running backs to come back from. We've barely seen it. I mean, I don't know how in you are on Acres because I'm totally out on him. Um, yeah, I'm not totally out on him, but I do think I can't take him where people are drafting him. That's because, what I'm. Yeah, right because of, because of where I mean, because of you know sort of how he played in the playoffs last year was not great. Um, and the fact that honestly, Sean McVay hasn't committed to him either. Um, no. You know, he, every time McVay is asked about running backs, he always mentions Daryl Henderson, right? I mean, so I, I think both those guys, like I think acres is going too high. And I think because of that, Henderson's probably going too low. I think they should probably meet somewhere in the middle. So like I said, I'm, I'm sort of out on acres at, at ADP right now. Yeah, his ADP, I think people are just hyping him up too much, and they're just going to be shot down because of where he's going. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. But yeah, Pierce is my guy, and I hope he really turns into a solid running back, and I hope they give him a chance, not like a James Robinson type of season. Right. Yeah, that was weird with James Robinson. Yeah. Um, yeah, well. Unfortunate. I don't I don't think anyone's going to miss Urban Meyer. In no, not at all. So, uh, so I'll tell you this. My, my sleeper, you know, with Pierce off the board, uh, I'll pivot to AJ Dillon. Um, you know, so right. I, I think I just I think everybody likes AJ Dillon. I don't think we like AJ Dillon enough, mm-hmm. and I say that based on what's happened. You know, the last the last few weeks, right? When you've got Lafleur basically saying I've got two running backs who are both one A's in Aaron Jones yeah. and AJ Dillon, uh, then throwing the fact that I think it was a week ago, two weeks ago, maybe it was. Uh, Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying he thinks both of these guys can catch 50 passes. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a big plus. I think you'll see Dylan get some goal line work. The other part of that is because, you know, having Devontae Adams not there anymore really helps the running back situation in Green Bay. Because you go back and you think about how many times they got near the goal line. And it was pretty common to see Aaron Rodgers drop back and throw a quick slant to Devontae Adams. Yeah. I don't expect that to be the thing anymore, right? And I know he likes Alan Lazard. I know Romeo Dobbs is is the new hotness. Um, but I think when they get down near the goal line now, I think you're going to see them try to run the football a little bit more. So I think that helps Aaron Jones. I think it definitely helps A.J. Dillon. I totally get Aaron Jones as a early second-round pick. That makes sense to me. Uh, you know, A.J. Dillon, I think right now, I think last I saw his ADP was somewhere in the fifth round. Like, I think you can bump that up at least a full round uh, maybe even a little bit more because I, I think those guys are going to do a ton of work this year. Yeah, and you you hit it right on the head. I mean, he's being drafted in the fifth round as the RB20, uh, 25. Last year, he did finish RB23, so he's going around where he finished last season. But again, with Adams gone, I mean, that just means, like you said, he should be bumped up at least another round because of how much volume this guy is going to get. And I'm a big Dylan fan. I'm a big Jones fan. I love the two running backs there. And I think it's going to be a one-two punch with both of them and a lot of pass catching work. I mean, we saw last season, AJ Dylan had 37 targets and I expect those target share to consistently um, grow with Adam's target share, obviously gone 
those targets are going to have to go to someone else. And I don't think it's all going to go to the Lazard King or Dobbs. No, I, I completely agree with you. So I, like, like I said, when Aaron Rodgers says, hey, these guys can catch 50 passes, I mean, he's the one who's delivering the targets, right? Yeah. So I feel, like, I feel like we should sit up and pay attention to something like that. Yeah, not like training camp news, you know. It's it's all exactly hype. it's all hype. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, AJ Dillon, Damian Pierce are our two running backs, and then now let's going in, into our wide receivers. And Marcus, will I'll send it back to you. So, I I feel like I'm on an island here. I, I shouldn't say that because there are other people who are who are behind me. I'm just surprised that Drake London isn't getting more love. Really down in Atlanta. Um, I just. Look, we all love Kyle Pitts, right? Mm -hmm. We all know Kyle Pitts is going to get a ton of targets. We're talking about Kyle Pitts as, I think at worst, I think most people have him at tight end three. Maybe mm -hmm. you have him a little bit higher. I don't know. But we all think he's going to get targets. He can't be the only one. I think this is an offense that's going to run primarily through Pitts and through Drake London. Uh, you know, and I know they, they've sort of put him in bubble wrap. That first preseason game, he caught a he caught a pass, he got tackled, he sort of tweaked his knee. They say it's not really serious, and they've kind of you know put him in bubble wrap since then. He's a big body guy. You know, he played a little bit of basketball at USC, but just a big body target who's really good after the catch. And I think he really fits with a quarterback like Marcus Mariota, who doesn't necessarily press downfield a lot. He'll do it occasionally, but that's not really his game. Um, He's about you know, putting the ball in space, letting guys make the catch and doing work after it. And I think London is really perfect for that. So, you know, look, I know they've got Alameda Zacchaeus. Uh, I think they got Kaderil Hodge. They've got a few other guys there. But I think this passing game primarily, uh, I guess you know, Cordero Patterson's going Patterson's to catch the ball too. But I think most of the targets are going to be Pitts and Drake London. And London, I'll say in a lot of drafts, London apparently is still available in double-digit rounds. Like, I'm not in those drafts because if I was in those drafts, he would have been long gone by the time we get to round 10. I love him as a third or fourth wide receiver. And I feel like um, I feel like he's just not getting enough love there. Yeah. London's going wide receiver 40, just at around pick number 95. And are you you're not nervous with the rookie rookie type of form with Marcus Mariota there? You're not concerned at all with that? Not really. Not enough, at least. And like I said, I, I love him as a third wide receiver, so I'm not counting on him to be that dude for me every single week. Um, but I think I think, you know, early on, he's going to get a lot of work. And as they get more comfortable and they get further into the season, I think that target share only goes up. I mean, we sort of saw it last year with a, with another former USC wide receiver with Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm -hmm. I know St. Brown's situation was a little bit different because there were injuries sort of involved. But as the season went on, you could see he and Jared Goff were getting more comfortable together. And I think you're going to see that in a lot of ways with London and Marcus Mariota. And I think by the time we get to midseason, certainly by the time we get to the fantasy playoffs, I think that I think that connection is going to be humming between the two of them. My only concern on this is the QB situation, whether or not Desmond Ritter comes in at all throughout the season, whether it's midseason or back half of the playoff season. So that's my only concern on that. But his value is there. I mean, getting him as a wide receiver for – you can keep him on the bench if you only have three wide receivers to start. And but if Drake London starts to consistently get like over double digit points, I mean, he is a guy that should be owned in every single league. I think he should definitely be drafted in every single league. And I actually, I, I do think that we're going to see Desmond Ritter before the year is out. Yeah. Um, but again, I just, I just don't know how many wide receivers they are really going to trust, uh, you know, and, and what kind of snap share and what, you know, the number of routes run. I think, I think for London, it, it's going to be him and Pitts. I mean, that's, that's the future of this Falcons passing game. And I think he's going to get those targets. 
And you don't think any possibility of maybe Odell signing there? Uh, n- not really. Just because I think I don't know if I if I'm Atlanta, do I bring in Odell? Because we're not we're not a contender this yeah. year. Um, you know, I I think if you see Odell sign somewhere late in the year, it's with a contender. It's 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 him going back to the Rams. It's him maybe going to the Bills. Uh, I just don't see anybody who's not really making a really serious run at a Super Bowl uh, taking a shot at Odell. Yeah, I mean, anyone who really goes for it is if they face an injury with a key player. Right. right. And we saw that last season with Robert Woods going down. And then yeah. Odell came in. Yeah, well, actually, you know, remember, remember, right, uh, they were actually there together for like a day. I think they signed yeah. Odell, and the very next day, Woods tears his ACL in practice. So they never, they never got to see the Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Odell Beckham trio on the field together because Woods got hurt almost immediately. Yeah, which was unfortunate for Woods. And I still love Woods. I still think he's great talent. I think he's going to do well in Tennessee. I hope so. I really do hope so. I like that guy. Yeah, I drafted him over Cup every single year. <laughs> I did too, which last year probably wasn't the smartest thing. To yeah, do exactly. But, but I did it. I did it. Yeah. You you have your guy and you want to draft him every year. I mean. Exactly. So Absolutely. I'll go with my guy. And my guy's actually literally right next to yours for wide receiver rankings. And I mean, he's going wide receiver 39, one above you, and he's going pick number 92. So three picks ahead of you. And that's Rashad Bateman. And the reason why I go with Rashad Bateman is last year, finished wide receiver 69. Of course, that's not the greatest for wide receivers we know, but Marquise Brown got traded during the draft, which I mean, everyone, it came from a surprise. No one even knew, not even Lamar Jackson knew. He was even going crazy. So those those target share, that target share, the targets that Brown got is going to have to be spread out to more people. Um, and it's likely going to come out with Rashad Bateman being that top talent there. And he's going to get all mainly all the targets. I mean, I I don't know. This It's crazy because I'm going to read you a couple stats. Marquise Brown, 145 targets last season, 38%, six touchdowns. Rashad Bateman, 67 targets, 18%, one touchdown. Uh, Mark Andrews, 154 targets, 40%, nine touchdowns. So that was 366 total targets. Lamar Jackson had 382 targets or passing attempts. That means that there was only 16 targets that didn't go to any of those three. So that 145 targets that Marquise Brown got is going to have to go to someone and it's going to have to go to Bateman. And I'm projecting him to have well above 100, 100 targets, maybe even up to around Marquise Brown's 140 targets. And there were 16 touchdowns that were thrown by Lamar Jackson. All 16 came from either one of those three guys. That means Lamar Jackson will be throwing to Rashad Bateman more and more in the end zone, possibly. No, I think you're right. And I, I do think we sort of have underrated him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And I, I don't I can't really explain why, but you know, when I when I talked earlier about talent versus opportunity, we talked about Isaiah likely, um Rashad Bateman falls in that category. I mean, this is a guy that all the draft, all the draft Knicks, all the scouts loved him coming out of college. And, you know, all signs point to him being a very good receiver. But I said, well, he's not really impactful in fantasy, at least as a rookie. Cause he's going to a situation that they don't throw the ball a whole lot. And he's no. got guys ahead of him. Well, one of those guys that was ahead of him isn't there anymore with Marquise Brown now in Arizona. So that does open things up and, and all signs have pointed to the Ravens wanting him to be 
their wide receiver one. Now, he's not going to be the top target because that's still going to be Mark, Mark Andrews, Andrews. But he does step into that wide receiver one role. And so I do think he really does get a, a huge boost in targets. I don't know that he gets up to that 145, 146 number, whatever it is that uh, that Marquise Brown was at last year. But I do think you're right. I think he gets into triple-digit targets. Um, I, I think that you know he gets a, a corresponding boost in yardage. Hopefully the touchdowns come with it. So you know if we liked Marquise Brown all these years, you know as a wide receiver too, for instance, in Baltimore, I don't know why we wouldn't think the same for Rashad Bateman. But the fact that he is going so late, it is it is kind of a head scratcher. So I, I do think right now you're talking about a really solid value with him coming off the board as late as he is. Yeah, and I mean, I'll try and bait everyone I can, but he is that guy, and he is going to be that guy that's going to start the whole season, bearing an injury, of course. Obviously, like you said, Mark Andrews is going to be a starter. Who knows? Maybe they do go for two tight end sets, and maybe we have a likely chance that Isaiah comes in. Yeah, I mean, I do think Isaiah likely will get on the field. Obviously, they like his talent, but mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think you're going to be talking about him as sort of one of the other guys there in that yeah. passing game that's getting targets. You know, like the the Devin Duvernays of the world. Uh, he'll be fighting for targets among amongst that group. Um, I just, you know, this offense has just not never really had room for three productive fantasy pass catchers we already know we already know andrews is going to occupy one of those spaces it looks like bateman's going to get the other so everybody else i just don't you know aside from maybe week to week streamers or you want to play in a best ball league i think that's sort of the only way you can count on any of these other other ravens yeah and i mean there could be concerns about even the running back situation because we saw last year baltimore they lost all their running backs just about the only running back they didn't lose was lamar jackson so. They did. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how much I like J.K. Dobbins because they've been very, um, you know, they're optimistic about him, but it's not as though it's been like, hey, green light, let's go. J.K. Dobbins full speed ahead. Mm -hmm. um, they're still sort of waiting. And now that we know Gus Edwards is on the pup list, so he's going to miss the first four weeks of yep. the season. Uh, you know, I, I want to be in on J.K. Dobbins. I'm, I've been very cautious yes. about him so far. Yeah, I've, I have not drafted. I actually drafted in one dynasty league. I drafted him. But that same season before he got his injury, I traded him away. So, <laughs> so you missed uh, that. So you so, so that worked out for you then. There you it, go. Yeah, it worked out. I think I got. Um, I think this is the season I managed to get like Jonathan Taylor. But again, I had to pay a lot for him. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So of course that is the case. But Drake London, Rashad Bateman, our two wide receiver sleepers, and now to our final one, probably the hardest position to really figure out because. It's either you got those top guys and then you got a bunch of randoms who they're great <laughs> tight ends, but what are they going to do? It always flips out. We had that Robert Tanyan season. He's no longer in the picture. Oh. <clears throat> Gotta love Tanyan. I mean, he won a couple leagues for me as at least. But uh, my top guy, and he's valued as a tight end one, obviously. I mean, and he's getting drafted right now as a tight end six. And the reason why I'm picking him as my sleeper is because he finished last season as a tight end three. I don't know if you know this yet, Marcus, but this is Dalton Schultz. I mean, people are sleeping on him and what he did last season. In 2020, he finished as a tight end 12. Last season, he finished as a tight end three. I would have probably faded more from him if Amari Cooper was there. But Amari Cooper's gone. Amari Cooper, I'm going back to the target share. Amari Cooper had 103 targets. And it's not like they brought someone big in. 
They, they have CD, Dolan Schultz, Michael Gallup is going to miss some time. And then Justin Tolbert, or excuse me, yeah, Tolbert is going to be there. And But he's a rookie. So he's going to eat into that. But Dolan Schultz is going to still consistently be that top five category of a tight end. And I honestly rank Kyle Pitts under Dalton Schultz. I think wow. Dalton Schultz is tight end three this season. And I think Kyle Pitts right around the same time, Kyle Pitts finishes as a tight end four. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm blown away. Like, like, <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's spicy. Um, I know people sort of like Dalton Schultz, but I, I feel like, cause I feel like for the most part, everybody has, the same guys in the top five. Now, maybe you shuffle them around, but it's it's in some order. It's Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, Kittle, and Waller. And then it's sort of everybody else fighting. So to hear that, that that shocks me. I think Schultz is in for a good season. I think, you know, because especially early in the years, they're trying to figure everything out. We know C.D. Lamb is going to get plenty of targets. He's going to eat, have a huge season. They're still waiting for Michael Gallup to get healthy. You know, they, they do have, as you mentioned, Tolbert is there. But in the meantime... You know, I guess we should fig- factor in Tony Pollard because if, if yeah. you listen to fantasy Twitter, uh, Tony Pollard's going to be in the ring of honor in Dallas like by the end of the year or something. But um, but Schultz is going to get plenty of opportunity. Um, so I, I don't think we can discount him. I'm not I'm not ready to put him ahead of Kyle Pitts yet. <laughs> my my heart's not quite ready for that yet. But I do think I do think good things are coming. So uh, along those lines, then if we're just if we're big upping tight ends that aren't getting enough love. Um, St- Let me start with this. I was I was a big Albert Okuyabunam fan, um, and I still think he has some deep sleeper potential. I don't love that he was playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game last <laughs> week. That 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 seems like bad news to me. But a guy that I don't think is getting enough love. I mean, you talk about Dalton Schultz not getting enough love. Uh, Zach Ertz. Yes. I, I yes. don't. I don't understand why we're not more excited about Zach Ertz when we see what he did last year mm-hmm. um, after the trade from Philadelphia stepped up and played really, really well for Arizona coming into this year. Like I, I know Marquise Brown is there, but um, you know, they don't have Deandre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season. And Ertz offers a really nice safe target for Kyler Murray. When things start to get crazy and start to break down a little bit. And look, I, I know Kyler and Marquise Brown, they've got that connection from, from Oklahoma together that, that they were college friends, but I still think, I still think Zach Ertz is going to play a huge role in this offense. Um, I've got him as a tight end six. I wouldn't be surprised if he bumps one of these other guys out of the top five and finishes mm-hmm. there, but you know, you're getting him way, way late right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's being drafted, you know, kind of barely as a top 10 tight end, and I don't understand it. So I have spent most of the summer sort of preaching the gospel of Zach Ertz, and I, I just think he's I think he's going to have another really good, really solid season. And if you miss out on the top five guys, if you decide to wait on tight ends and miss on the top five guys, I think Ertz is an excellent, excellent option. Yeah, he's being drafted. A couple of weeks ago, I we did a show and I mentioned Zach Ertz, and he's being he was being drafted at that point. I think he still is as a tight end nine. And I mean, if you look at it, D-Hop, of course, suspended six weeks, so he's still going to get that share. And I think once D-Hop gets back, I still think Zach Ertz is going to still be in the conversation. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't think he goes away, and we know the problem with tight ends. I mean, tight ends just they flip flop all over the place. We saw that. Hunter Henry trained for a good couple of weeks until his touchdown production left. And then he was no longer really a factor, but he still managed to finish as a tight end 10 for Hunter Henry. But I mean, Zach Ertz, I love Zach Ertz. And back in Philadelphia, I wasn't a big fan of him, 
because of Dallas Goder eating in with some of the shares. But now that he's got no competition, I mean, this is Zach Ertz's team besides the wide receivers, obviously. Marquise Brown's going to get there, and D-Hop's going to eat in too. But touchdown-wise, I think Zach Ertz gets more touchdowns. I think Zach Ertz gets more touchdowns too. Yeah, I, like I said, I just I think he's going to be fine there. Um, I mean, this is a, an offense that's going to throw the ball quite a bit. I mean, you know, I know they like to run it with James Conner. They're still going to throw the ball a lot, so there's there's plenty of target share there. Um, and and even when Nuke comes back, Ertz, uh, you know, I feel like at worst, I, I feel like at worst he might be the number two target. I think Nuke is the number one target. I yeah. think you know, and I think I think it's it's going to be Ertz and Marquise Brown battling for who gets the second most targets in that offense. It's going to be mainly whoever gets open. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 big Zach Ertz guy now. Big Zach Ertz guy. Especially <laughs> in first six weeks. I mean, he's going to blow up and he's going to do, he's going to have outstanding games. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And then maybe it's a situation where you, you take Ertz and then uh, after the first six weeks, you, you see if you can trade him to somebody. Mm. Um, not, not that he's going to be bad, but that, you know, the target share obviously comes down once uh once d hop is back so maybe you you know you let him let him eat uh you let him get fat and then you ship him off to somebody else exactly 100 um and, and to finish uh my side of dalton schultz because i know you said mine was a little spicy waller <laughs> last year finished as a tight end 17 um because of the fact that he faced injuries but now with hunter uh hunter renfro and Devontae adams there I think Waller starts to kind of slide down a little bit because it's not like Adams and Carr never knew each other. They were teammates in college. So I think Waller slides down the list a little bit, maybe coming in as tight end seven or eight. And Kittle, I've never been in on Kittle, um, but I know he does finish great. I think he's a great tight end. Does he get injured? Does he happen to get more injuries coming to him? I'm not a believer in Trey Lance. I don't know who. I, oh. Are you a Trey Lance believer? I am a Trey Lance believer in fantasy. I and I say this as a 49ers fan. Like I feel like asking him to take over a team um, that was, you know, knocking on the door of the Super Bowl. I feel like that's a lot. But mm -hmm. I think I think you can get. I think Trey Lance this year can be what Jalen Hurts was last year. That was pretty good. So I I do believe in Trey Lance at least from a fantasy perspective. I'll be out on him. His value is too high. He's being drafted as a QB one. I'm out. Yeah, I, I wanted to be able to draft him like I drafted Hurts last year. Last year I was able to draft Hurts as kind of a number two quarterback. And yeah. It was kind of great. Um, that hasn't been the case because everybody loves Trey Lance. So if you're drafting him, you have to draft him as a top ten quarterback. Otherwise, you're not going to get him. Exactly, 100%. So Zach Hurts and Dalton Schultz are our two tight ends. And before we end our show today, Marcus, let's tell us a little bit what you're doing, uh, what's coming up, where can people check you out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you can always find my, my stuff on Twitter uh, at Marcus G M A R C A S G. It's there on the screen if you're watching. Um, and uh, we're doing the fantasy football podcast a couple times a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. You can find that anywhere you find podcasts. And starting on Monday, August 29th, uh, NFL Fantasy Live is back on the air. We are at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, every day except Thursday. Thursdays we are at 5 p.m. because you know TNF and that sort of that whole thing there. But uh, you can find us on NFL Network each and every day. So it'll be you know me, Michael F. Florio, Adam Rank, Kimmy Check, Cynthia Freeland, Patrick Claybone. The whole crew is back. Uh, I suspect the hype train will come back as well. So uh, be sure to check us out. Absolutely amazing. And 
for anyone who doesn't use Underdog Fantasy, make sure to go on to Underdog Fantasy. Make sure to use code SPORTSTIMEHQ. They'll match your first deposit of up to $100. Once again, my name is Fernando, and I was your host for Sports Time HQ. Joining with us today is the great Marcus Grant. Make sure to follow him all over social media at Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. And we'll see you all next week on Tuesday, where we'll have our weekly podcast starting on Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time.